So Jesus, he's sending his people on a short-term mission trip. It's great. I love that idea. I know many of you have been participated in short-term missions, and, and, I, and I'm so excited about that because I'll tell you, it makes a difference in the world, but man, it makes a difference in us. Part of the way that Jesus uh, uh, moves us into his likeness is by shaping us, and those experiences outside of our comfort zone are so valuable to that. But let's look at what this can tell us about being a missionary here in this place. Uh, you know, honestly, some of this it's a little bit confusing. Verse 2 uh, says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest. I, I love this, but it's, it baffles me. Why doesn't it say pray for the unreached? Why doesn't he, You know, there are 2 billion people in this world who have not heard the name of Jesus. And of those 2 billion, even if they wanted to, they couldn't find out about him. Because there's no scripture translation in their language. There's no missionary living among them. There's no church of their people. And so they have no idea. And even if they had some, some inclin, uh, inclination that there was a God, they could not uh, find information about him unless something changes. So, so given that reality, why doesn't he sort of say, pray for those people? No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, pray to whom? The Lord of the harvest. And pray what? That he would send out more workers more laborers. I, lo- I love this idea, and, and the, the, the picture is clear that uh, we are to depend on him, and it is that attitude of prayer, that worshipful uh, uh, state that we can bring ourselves into, that uh, that's where we hear from the Lord. That's where we hear clearly from the Spirit. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Acts chapter 13. It's the church at Antioch. If you remember, Paul and, and Barnabas were sent out And in Acts chapter 13, it says quite clearly that the church was gathered together worshiping. They were fasting and praying. And it was in that environment that the Spirit spoke. So often we sort of assume that he's going to speak to us as we go and we get really busy. And and really it's it's this context of worship. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's how how mission begins. That's how missionaries operate. You start with the Spirit. You start with focusing. God, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray that your will would be done, that you would move, that we would not get in your way, but instead we would be tools in your hands. So prayer is the context. And God speaks to us through his word, and it comes to us, comes alive when we worship. Verse 2 says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. We... Um, Part of what I do is I get to go and talk with churches about their missionary involvement. Like, what, what all do you do? And I, and I, I, I speak with churches who have lots of, uh, they do lots of trips. And, and them, uh, you know, they kind of have to try to figure out where do people want to go in our, in our church, in our congregation? Where do people want to go or where do we want them to go? And, and they have to navigate that. And many churches were, were heavily involved in, in West Africa. That place that has so many people who have never heard about Jesus, so few uh, gospel witnesses there in, in West Africa. And yet with the outbreak of Ebola, many, many churches have, have changed their minds. You can't do that. That's just, it's too dangerous. It's, and, I, and I understand that. What I don't understand are those, those churches that are canceling their mission trips to East Asia because of Ebola. Right? Like, we don't go because it's safe. We don't go because it's comfortable. We go because we've been commanded to go and because we've been saved for this. This is why we exist on this earth. Beyond our salvation, he leaves us here. Why? To participate in his mission. 
And we're not called to go to the safe places. We're called to go like lambs among wolves. And that sounds like a very, a very dangerous thing, doesn't it? Being on God's mission is a dangerous thing. Uh, spiritually, it's dangerous because it's so trying and it's so difficult. And, 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 and there are often times we question and we wonder and we doubt. But then beyond that, we're, we're deliberately putting ourselves to live among ungodly people doing ungodly things. It's dangerous. And he sends us like, like lambs, like sheep. And so we go into dangerous places in dangerous ways because that's where he takes us. And then his instructions in verse 4 are baffling to me. I don't understand. He says, don't take anything with you. Don't take some money. Don't take a, a knapsack, not an extra coat. Don't take any sandals. Just go. And I believe that Jesus' instructions for his disciples were, were thus because he wanted them to depend utterly upon him. If we look at mission as something that we can accomplish, that we can do, then we start to calculate it in human terms. We start to think, well, we don't have the money to do that. Or I don't think we have any people who would be willing to do that. Or, man, that's a, that's a long way away. And we start to think in human terms about our participation in God's mission. And what he's saying here is, no, don't think about what you've got. Think about what I've got. And so we go utterly dependent on him to provide for us, to sustain us. And then beyond that, what we're going to see here in a minute is that God uses those to whom we've been sent. He uses them to sustain us and provide for us as well. When we first got to Spain, I remember just being so confused about what's happening and how are things working. And I forgot to pay our electricity bill. Um, which my wife uh, assures me was entirely my fault. I didn't realize how it worked. That there, I was waiting for a bill, but there you don't wait for the bill. You, you kind of proactively go and pay money for the electricity that you're using. And I didn't know. So the, the lights were shut off. And uh, as we fumbled around in the dark of our tiny apartment, I can remember thinking, this is like, I don't know what to do. So we went and we knocked on a neighbor's door and, and he came to the door and he said, uh, he could tell that the lights were out, you know, and, and he, he, he literally like took us by the hand and he took me to the place to pay the bill and he explained to me as best he could like in my terrible Spanish. He, he explained to me though how this is how it worked. Let me help you. And then he told me about, oh yeah, the water bill. You've got to pay that the same way. And, uh, telephone. And so, so he took care of us. But we were utterly dependent on him for this. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. He took care of us. And what we recognize and we rejoice, this is God taking care of us. This is God providing for us. But Jesus says then, right related to that, don't take anything with you and also don't greet anyone on the road. Now, come on, this is like the worst mission trip advice ever. When you go on, a, on mission, man, you're, you're there to tell people about Jesus. And everybody knows that if you're sitting on an airplane for 14 hours, you've got a captive audience, surely you should share the gospel with the person sitting next to you on the airplane. He's not saying don't do that. What he's saying is don't be distracted. It's so easy to be distracted and sent people. Sent people are excited. We're zealous. We're ready to serve. And so we look for opportunity. The problem is opportunity is everywhere. Need surrounds us. And if you stop to think, where could we possibly serve? 
The, the answer is anywhere. Who needs Christians serving and loving people? Everyone. Where are people hurting and dying, hopeless and helpless? Everywhere. So what he's saying is don't be distracted by the need and the opportunity all around you as you go. As sent ones, don't be distracted. Don't greet people on the road. Need and opportunity are, are, are two things that uh, will overwhelm us, but will often distract us from God's mission for us. We're in this attitude of worship. Spirit is leading us. We go. And there's a bit of a dance. Father, you, you lead me. You direct us. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to get caught up doing something that's good, but not the right thing. And I think that's what Jesus was saying here to his disciples. Don't be distracted. Need and opportunity really are poor indicators of where we should focus our missionary efforts. Then how were the disciples to know where to focus their ministry? Jesus gives this cryptic uh, cryptic, uh, advice. In verses 5 and 6, he says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. I have no idea what this means. I know that's like, I'm the worst preacher ever, because I'm like, there's that. But the, the, the thing is, I think that they didn't quite get it either. I think that this is deliberately sort of like difficult to wrestle with. Wait, wait, what do you mean? I'm, I'm just going around, and I'm speaking peace, I, I, I think. I mean, I, I, okay, and then, and then if my peace rests, or if it comes back to me, that's how I know where to focus? How does that work? Now again, Whenever, whenever Jesus gets kind of supernatural on you, you, you want to pay attention. And at the end of the day, he's reinforcing here, you, uh, this, you utterly depend on me. But beyond that, he wants us to start with peace. Peace. We're not here to harm you. <laughs> We mean no harm. We come in peace. That's, that's the way the missionary goes. That's the way we as sent people come. But so often, um, that's not how we're received. There, somewhere, there's like a miscommunication, and the world sees our coming as sort of this, uh, this crusade. Like, we're here to overtake you and overcome you and indoctrinate your children and, 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 and change your way of life. And, and that's not why we're here. We're here to speak peace. We're here as ambassadors of the Most High God. We have your best interest at heart. That's how we lead. That's how we start. That's, that's how we show up as people of peace. A lot of our missions uh, jargon sort of has militaristic roots. We talk about mobilization. We talk about engagement. And, and certainly there is a spiritual warfare in effect, Right? But at the end of the day, we're, we're not going as warriors, but as peacemakers. We come in peace. And Jesus did this all the time. He, he greeted people this way, right? If you read the scriptures, uh, any at all, uh, Jesus, he would, he would show up to a place and he would say, peace. Now, usually it was a time when he would, you know, walk on water or, or, or walk through a wall or come back to life. And so people were startled by his, uh, the fact that he showed up. And so he would start with, hey, hey, peace. Peace. And we, we follow in his footsteps. We do the same. We come 
We come in peace. And the son of peace. The son of peace. What does this mean? Your peace will rest upon him or it will come back to you. What it means, though, is uh, quite clear. It's, 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 it's really that God has supernaturally prepared people ahead of time to receive the message and us, his messengers. Before we even... See, it's often tempting uh, for us to think that, that God isn't there until we show up. These poor lost people, right? So in my neighborhood, I, I, I go and I, I talk to Jesus and, and, man, God is not there. He's not at work. And then I show up and now God's here. It's tempting to think in that way, but that's what, what he's saying is, no, no, I've supernaturally prepared people ahead of time. They're ready to listen to you and your message. They're ready to receive you and what you have to say. And not just receive you for themselves, but really, these people of peace that it's talking about, they receive us, God's sent ones, on behalf of their peoples, their social circles, their groups, their families. Be encouraged. We're not going uh, cold calling, knocking on doors randomly, although that's, that's, an, that's an approach. But we're not trying to start something. God is at work and has been at work, and we are just a piece in what he's doing. And so when we show up on the scene as his sent ones, we're looking for those people that God has already supernaturally prepared to receive us. And that is really good news. That is really good news. And I don't want to be clear. This doesn't mean that we like go on an Easter egg hunt looking for, uh, you know, the, the person of peace. Like I'm going to talk with you a little bit, but after a couple of minutes, I'm not getting the peace thing, so not you. Next. That, no, that's not what we mean. But what he's saying is there's this, this element where somebody's going to receive you, and you know when you're received that it's not because of you. Like, no, no offense to you. You're, you're wonderful people. Good looking, you know, handsome very hospitable. But the reality is that we don't fit in around here. As God's people, we are called out ones, the church. And so when we come into interaction with people who do not know God, if there is any uh, reception of us that is positive, if they uh, uh, suffer our conversation, if they stand to listen to what we have to say, if they keep uh, coming around, even though all we do is talk about Jesus, there's something, God is at work there. Because you're not so cool that people would want to hang out with you. We're not. So, we're not. So look, look to that. As, be encouraged. I got to share my faith, and they asked me a question about it instead of getting up and running away or punching me out. Like there's something. They've been prepared for this. God is at work. So we look for those people of peace. And, and what is our message? I'm sorry, what is our method? Our method is relationship. Um, in the Great Commission, Jesus makes it clear that our mission is to go and make, what? Disciples. To go and make disciples. That means taking people from wherever they are, spiritually, far away from God, and walking with them toward Christ and into maturity in Christ. That's discipleship. And we do that not through a book or a website or a radio program, although those are helpful for information purposes. Becoming Christ-like The discipleship process is a relationship. Jesus modeled this for us again and again with the 12. He spent time with people. This is what I believe. This is how we do it. So your word and your deed go hand in hand. And that's how we make disciples. We bring people along with us. 
Come with, we're going to do this together. We make disciples. And that's how it works for the sent one. The sent one finds persons of peace supernaturally prepared ahead of time, and we spend time with those people. Now, if we're not careful, we sometimes fall into sort of a pragmatism that would say, yeah, but that's not very effective. It's certainly not efficient. Like, if we're going to be really good missionaries, we should preach from a pulpit with a, a microphone. I kind of feel like I'm in a boy band. With this. So, uh, but we, we, if we have amplification, then, man, they'll really hear our message. Or if we preach to thousands of people, then the odds of having more people respond are greater. And, uh, we start to think, again, in human terms. But when God goes and prepares people, there's no better audience for us than those that he's prepared. And so we go looking for the persons of peace, and when we find him or her or them, we just stay with them. We dwell with them. We build relationships with them. And, and here's the key. We see all throughout Scripture, the gospel spreads how? Person to person. There's no shortcut to it. There's no, like, skywriting or cool video or viral website that will do the job. It's person to person. And so as the gospel goes person to person and we share the gospel, we live, we dwell among those persons of peace. We stay with them. We depend on them. Discipleship is a relationship. So if that's our method to find the person and then dwell, what is, what is our message? What's our message? It says here, the kingdom of God has what? Come near. The kingdom of God has come near to you. That's that's the good news. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He used to be far away, but in Christ he's come near and lived among us. The kingdom of God has come near, and it is good news. That's our message. And that's really all we've got. Because all the other stuff is just added on. The reality is we've just got this one message. Just this one. It's quite simple, really. We tend to complicate it a little bit or debate the finer points, but at the end of the day, we've just got the one message. But what a powerful message it is. The kingdom of God has come near. And, and literally, in this time, when Jesus is sending out the 72, they were saying, he's on his way. He's just a, a mile up the road, and he's coming this way. He sent us ahead of him. He's coming. He's coming. And what they meant sort of physically and geographically, we mean spiritually. He's coming. And our job as his ambassadors is to announce his coming. The kingdom of God has come near and is coming. So that's our message. And, and we've got to be careful because so often uh, we get bogged down in the, 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 the methodology, like how to go, where to go, and we forget the message. No effective missionary, no effective, uh, no, no obedient missionary forgets the gospel. So we have to dwell on that. We have to hold tightly to that. In verse 10, it says, When you enter a town and they don't receive you, shake the dust from your feet. But, still the same message. Still the same message. The kingdom of God has come near. For these people that don't accept us, the people who reject us, who argue, who debate, who, who, who frustrate our, our ministries, those people... For them, the gospel, while it is gospel, it's actually very bad news. It's bad news. Because what they're living for, what they're fighting for, is on the losing side. 
So we go as ambassadors with a message of peace. The kingdom is among us. Now, uh, we can look uh, throughout Scripture. Jesus models this again and again. Uh, Lydia uh, in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. And it says in Scripture that that day she was baptized, not just she, but she and her household. And as a prominent leader in Philippi, her, uh, her endorsements really paved the way for Paul and his companions to go into many homes and find many persons of peace and share the gospel. Lydia was a person of peace. Uh, likewise, the Philippian jailer, just, just a bit later there in Acts chapter 16, uh, Scripture says, you know, uh, that, that, that he immediately, when, when the, the earthquake happened and the doors opened, he thought, surely Paul has escaped from prison. I've not done a very good job. I, I, I'm actually, uh, I better die than be punished for letting Paul escape. And when he realized Paul was still there and he, he gave his life to Jesus, Scripture says that he was baptized. But not only he, he and his household. The jailer was a person of peace. He opened doors for Paul and for Paul's message. Zacchaeus was the same way when Jesus himself was walking. I love this, the picture of this. Jesus saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. And what did Jesus do? This is a great sort of missional strategy. He invited himself over for dinner. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house. And what does Zacchaeus do? Well, he came down from the tree and he took Jesus home and he put together a banquet and invited all of his tax collector friends. Zacchaeus was a person of peace who received Christ, received his message, and opened the door for others like him to do the same. You know, the 72... When they went out, they were amazed at what they saw. They were shocked. They saw spiritual warfare and battle happen. They didn't know quite what to do with it. But they had the right perspective. Utter dependence on Jesus. The 72 came back rejoicing and maybe a little bit surprised at what God had done. So this morning... I want to invite you to think about this. Who, who are those persons of peace in your life? Who are those people that you just know that God has prepared them supernaturally? They come to you with questions. Or they abide you talking on and on about your relationship with Jesus. And what would it look like then to dwell among those people? To focus your ministry, your efforts, your thoughts, your prayers around those people? Knowing that God is at work. And I, w- I want to invite you now to think and to pray for those persons of peace. And if you don't know of any, if you can't think of any in your life, it might be time to start searching. God, who have you prepared? Who's ready? Who do I need to build a relationship with in order to make a disciple of this person? And I have to tell you, it is a wonderful, wonderful joy to be on God's global mission, to be part of what he's doing around the world, to change lives, to to. to not just glorify, uh, you know, this message, but to glorify himself, the most high God. And for us to be part of this, it's a wonderful, wonderful joy. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that all throughout Scripture we see you as not just uh, a God who speaks to us, who interacts with us in a personal way, but Father, a God who sends us, who saves us for your purposes, for mission to make your name great among all peoples of the earth. And God, we pray not only for those who haven't heard, but we pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, God, that you would raise up even more sent people.
people to work in your harvest. God, as we go, we look for those persons of peace, those people that you've prepared ahead of time, and we thank you. And we stand in awe, just like the 72 that came back, Father. We, we stand amazed that you would be at work, that you would choose to use us in what you're doing. And Father, we know that at the end of the day, it's all about you and your glory. Father, speak to us now. Bring to mind those people of peace that we need to pour our lives into, to make disciples of. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that the ultimate missionary isn't us or even Paul, as good as he was. The ultimate missionary is you, who sent your son to live and die on our behalf. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.